Welcome to Fired Up, an original podcast from Ignite Fan Insights, powered by NASCAR, the National Sports Forum, and the Association of Luxury Suite Directors. This is a podcast for sports business pros like you. We go behind the gates and beyond the numbers that keep sports fans coming back for more. Our host, Chris Wise, is the brains behind Ignite Fan Insights. With a commitment to research and innovation for over 30 years, he knows the right questions to ask, and more importantly, what to do with the answers. Get ready for engaging, in-depth conversations with sports industry leaders that will inspire you to take action and connect with your fans. I'm Chris McAdoo, and this is Fired Up. So, welcome to the Design Sensory Intelligence webcast. Um, I'm Chris Wise, I'm the Managing Director of Research. Today, we have the opportunity to learn from those on the front line of the in-the-moment decision-making at a time when there is no playbook. We have two front office pros ready to share management thoughts with you. First, I'm going to introduce JP. And JP, introduce yourself to, to all of us, including your organization, your position and role, and anything else that you want to share with us, except how much you drink. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> A lot more probably now than we all have in the past, Chris, but thanks. Uh, certainly thanks for having me again. JP Paul, uh, I am the Vice President of Guest Relations for the Minnesota Vikings. I've been with the team for 18 years and really have had a chance to see a lot of different aspects of the organization. Uh, I started out uh, kind of uh, overseeing our suite sales and services program. Uh, and uh, for any of you that follow the Vikings know, we, uh, we built a brand new great U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, which opened up in 2016. And I had the opportunity from really from 2012 uh, through the opening of the building to be part of our new stadium design team. Uh, involved in designing our premium spaces, uh, working with our sponsors and our suite owners, uh, transitioning them to our new building. Um, and then right before we opened, about uh, about nine months before we opened, had the opportunity to uh, uh, basically create our guest services and guest relations program. And uh, I'm lucky enough to have a great staff of, of five that work for us right now full time. And then uh, our real role and my role is to um, Get, get pretty deeply involved with setting the philosophy we call our school service philosophy at U.S. Bank Stadium and within the Vikings organization. Um, we, uh, we work with the training program. We help create the training program for all of our game day staff at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, I work quite extensively with our food service provider, Airmark. Uh, obviously, the food service program is a significant part of our sports environment these days, uh, regardless of the size of your facility or, or what sport you're in. And then I also work on a day-to-day -day, uh, operations uh, role with ASM Global. Uh, they are a global management company, uh, convention center, sports venues, all sorts of different venues throughout the world. Uh, working with them on our operational aspects of the building as it relates to uh, getting our fans in and out of the building, um, servicing our fans on game day, and just a whole bunch of different fan and guest touch points. So. Um, again, in my 18th season, and uh, as I told Chris, just still kind of waiting for that, uh, that, that Lombardi trophy to, to find its perch in Minnesota. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks, JP. Cody, how about you? Well, I don't have quite the uh, extensive experience, uh, perhaps with JP, but I serve as the chief of staff at FC Cincinnati, um, and in that capacity, I uh, actually get to do a lot of perhaps the things that uh, JP got to do several years ago. So I'm um, in charge internally. Uh, the stadium project as we're currently under construction and actually just uh, earlier today about two hours ago was out uh, sweating as we were having the topping off ceremony or topping out ceremony i should say uh, 
uh, for our new stadium, which opens in spring of next year. Uh, the newest addition to the soccer-specific stadiums in, uh, in Major League Soccer, uh, 26,000 seats, um, and something you know that's being built in the urban core that we're, we're really excited about. Um, and as I'm sure JP knows, it's it's the biggest inflection point, the biggest representation of, a, of your brand you could possibly have as, as a sports organization. So I uh, spent a lot of time on that um, and also sort of just uh, generally kind of across the uh, executive management of, of the organization, everything from uh, owner meetings or our department heads uh, and trying to, uh, you know, we're still kind of building the plane as we fly it, as we like to say. Uh, we started just over five years ago um, or just uh, under five years ago. Uh, coming up on our fifth anniversary, I was one of the first employees, and I've been fortunate enough to kind of see, you know, the uh, the growth from you know USL, which is basically AAA baseball, uh, to to use a, an analogy, uh, into Major League Soccer today, and you know, growing into uh, many different other elements as we try to be a civic ambassador, and you know, really kind of take an investment thesis and you know, take uh, take something off the ground into into something uh, that's pretty meaningful in the community as a sports organization. So, uh, been been learning a lot, and we certainly have a lot going on, but. Um, it's a it's a joy to be a part. So, and appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here today. And yeah, thanks again. Um, first question, and Cody, I'll just keep rolling with you. Since sure. since sports came to um, that screeching halt, what have you and your executive staff uh, leaned on for making the best in the moment operational and marketing decisions? Sure. Well, you know, we we really look at our guiding principles and, you know, everything we do, we talk about building something bigger than ourselves. And, you know, this is truly a legacy investment for uh, from our ownership on down. You know, the our lead owner, you know, ultimately he did this for his kids. And so this is a generational investment that will be passed down from generation to generation. Uh, and, and so taking that long term view and understanding, you know, why we even exist and taking those core values. And also looking at, you know, something that's a little bit more in the moment, which is opening a new stadium next year where, Yes, obviously we want to you know mitigate losses, and you know, we're making decisions about are we going to do furloughs, are we going to do pay reductions, et cetera, uh, whether we're going to do hiring freezes and all these different you know administrative functions. Um, but also we need to be mindful of you know what next year represents, and messing up next year could set us back you know not just one year but five years, uh, because you never have you know the opportunity to win the narrative as, as strongly uh, as you do in the opening of your new stadium, and so. You know, honestly, we, we even though it's painful and it's, you know, to the credit to our ownership group, who is, you know, very visionary and very grounded in, you know, why they're doing this. Uh, we, we've really used those guiding principles and kind of, you know, the ultimate why of we why we even started any of this uh, to continue to execute against and, you know, moments of uncertainty and moment, moments of doubt. And, you know, we haven't had any furloughs and we've really continued to, to build the plane ahead of next year. Um, and keep kept a focus on that long-term vision. And it really started with, you know, having that up front and not creating it in the moment, but executing against something that we created, you know, years ago and, and it's really grounded in our day-to-day operation, whether it's in normal times or, uh, you know, this, this unfortunate pandemic. So you're t- staying true to the vision, true to your core values and moving ahead, and that's your touch point in all your decision-making. Correct, yeah. correct. JP, same question. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think, honestly, from an operational standpoint, Chris, we're, and it's weird to say this, but we're leaning on experience a little bit. Um, and the reason I say that is, well, you know, you can probably ask me, well, when was the last time you went through a global pandemic, JP? But um, our organization has gone through some some tough times uh, in, just in the last 10 years. Um, you know, a roof collapsed in our, our uh, Metronome Stadium back in 2010, and uh, we had very little time, less than a week to 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 recalibrate, well, actually less than 48 hours to, to literally move a game um, from one city to another. 
um, let alone move uh, some home games later on in the year um, to, to other cities and other stadiums within our, even our city. So I think from our side, we built a new stadium. We've been through a, uh, a an emergency situation 10 years ago, and, uh, and now we're in a situation where we can lean on some experience. And I think that experience that we have, and as I mentioned uh, prior to the call, uh, many of us on our staff have worked together for, for over 15 years. So the ability of, for us as a leadership group to uh, know one another, know how we react, um, know what we believe is in the best interest of, organiz- of the organization. And, you know, Cody, you talk about guiding principles. We, we, we rely on that a lot. Do the right thing. Um, you know, our values of unity, te- uh, unity commitment and integrity are, are very important to us that we, uh, we stay together as a group as we make these decisions. Um, you know, we're committed to uh, doing the right thing. Um, and when we talk about furloughs and things like that with staff, we haven't done any sort of furloughs to this point either. And um, a credit to our ownership group that, that they have, uh, have stood by us and uh, have given us the opportunity to continue to operate the organization and, and plan for what's coming up here in the next few months. And, uh, you know, really, that's kind of how we're, we're going through the process right now, our values um, and our experience. Wow. So, so in that, I heard just a cohesive um, camaraderie um, and professional um, appreciation that that goes a long, long way to to moving forward in tough, tough times. So you're not mercurial in your in your day to day. You're you all. Are, it sounds like you're in pretty lockstep as you move as you move forward. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, Chris, comes from the respect we have for for knowing each other so well, right? Um, we've worked together for a long time. We respect each other's decisions. Uh, you, know, you don't always agree with everything that, that somebody may want to do, or um, and, and certainly in intense times like this. Um, you know, having that relationship and that long-term uh, working togetherness has been a big asset for us. Interesting, interesting. JP, I'm going to stay with you. Uh, unlike other sports, NFL was out of season when the when the pandemic hit. And you're as part of a league, you may not always have full control over um, your possible next steps. And that coupled with unknown timing and the un- influence of unusual circumstances. What is um, this? You may have already touched this, but, but go a little bit deeper. What does your operational decision making look like? That is not having experience around the pandemic to, 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 uh, uh, to lean on. But in, in this case, are we going to have a season? Or are we not going to have a season? That hasn't happened too often. Yeah. Uh, what, how many scenarios have you considered to be up and running while fulfilling all of your obligations and your organization has lots of of, of obligations. So yeah, yeah. Walk, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I think the, the two words that come to mind, Chris, right off the bat are flexibility uh, and patience, right? Um, you know, we've, we have, uh, we've gone from a situation where we were in mid-March to where I think a lot of us thought this wasn't going to be a big impact to us. Uh, we were hoping this thing was going to be over in a few weeks and, and we'd all be back to normal, but um, that hasn't necessarily happened. So as we have looked uh, literally almost week to week, uh, every two weeks, every two weeks, whatever it might be, um, the flexibility uh, that we have to have as leaders within our organization has been really important. And um, the idea of, you know, not necessarily, when I say patience, I said patience earlier, the idea of being patient in our decision-making process and our decision-making evaluation, um, has been really important to us that we just haven't jumped at 
um, a decision because that's what we believe in the news media or that's what maybe some of our medical folks are telling us we've been we've been methodical we've been patient and uh, I think from a flexibility standpoint um, just going forward who knows what's going to happen in the next eight weeks right um, we're planning on many many scenarios your question about scenarios is, is a good one because as we look at um, Major League Baseball as we look at Major League Soccer um, you know the NBA those folks trying to come back right now um, we're going to learn a lot from them over the course of few weeks how they can get back into uh in, into play and get back into their buildings hopefully and uh, we need to take that information uh crafted in our scenario making whether it's who knows it might be a full house it might be partial fans in our building it might be no fans in our building for a while and simply just be broadcast so you know we're, we're continually working those uh those scenarios we're working through uh Cody, you made, a, you made a good point earlier. One thing that we're really trying to focus on, too, is next year um, is, is in our decision-making process. We don't want to make decisions, and that's why I go back to patience. We don't want to make decisions this year that not only impact our fan base, but also might impact our staff, right? We make any decisions from a staffing standpoint, and it could impact us down the road. Um, we want to make sure we're prepared for that. So I hope that kind of answered the question, Chris, but um, flexibility and patience are two things that have come to my mind as we've gone through the scenario plan. Yeah, when I thought about that question, it was really prompted by um, by someone I was talking to, well, someone actually at NASCAR that had suggested a couple of weeks leading up to their decision to to go live, to, to start racing again without fans, the, the, the number of different scenarios they considered in depth and, and, and did all the... Um, not the war games, but you understand, go through all the different scenarios and what are the outcomes. Um, there were more than, you know, several dozen different scenarios they looked at in different ways. And, and, and it was a, it was a, it was daily activity till they finally came to the decision they came to. So that, that intrigued me that it, that, uh, that what you had to go, have to go through, um, when you don't usually do, I mean, you can have lots of different scenarios, but the number of scenarios that was played out was, uh, and, and, was very enlightening to me. Yeah, and I think one thing we found is that the minute we feel we've cleared one hurdle, it's like ten other hurdles show up in front of you, right? right. <laughs> oh yeah, we got that one done, but oh, by doing that, we've created X, Y, and Z that we now have to figure out uh, how to deal with. So um, I will say this, and, and it's a tremendous challenge. Um, but I think. I think a lot of us in this world of sports marketing and, and, and leadership in general, I think we thrive in environments like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's it's these types of challenges that have uh, kind of made us who we are and maybe even in some cases allowed us to kind of get into the leadership positions that we're in. So I, I think a lot of us, at least in our organization, I think we tend to we tend to, to thrive in, in these moments of, uh, of, 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 of chaos a little bit. It's the challenge. You can't help yourself, right? Exactly right. <laughs> Your sport's different than what those players on the field experience, but it, it's a challenge in a in a, um, a game, not a game in a in the game sense, but yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, Cody, let me let me turn to you. Um, your season was just ramping up when the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. You too have not always full control because you're part part of the league. And that coupled with those unusual circumstances, uh, what did your decision-making process look like? Again, you alluded to that a little bit more, but go a little deeper for me. Same sort of thing as you talked about, as you thought about obligations and, and, and then go ahead and take that on to 
your unique situation in that you are you are in the middle of that build and you are mm -hmm. and you are um, it doesn't seem like you're uh, taking the um, foot off the pedal when it comes to selling uh, season tickets and and premium seating and suites for that new new right. um, that new great stadium. Um, so t talk to me through that. Sure. Yeah, we're certainly not uh, uh, taking any uh, pedal, you know, any uh, any easing off the, the gas, if you will. Uh, yeah. We're still going full speed ahead, and you know, we feel it every day. Um, you know, luckily we are not part of, or we are not the league office. I imagine who, uh, you know, NASCAR as the governing body has uh, you know, more difficult decisions to make than we did. You know, as you mentioned, we're largely reacting to the the decisions by the league office, but also staying in contact with local officials, the state, et cetera. Um, as you know, everyone knows this has largely been a state by state led effort, um, you know, where the outbreaks and, you know, good, uh, you know, perhaps more better behaviors, if you will, is, you know, largely been on a state by state basis, somewhat city by city. So a lot of our discussions, not only were at a league level, but also at a uh, municipality level, you know, whether that's city, county or state. And so, you know, we were two days before our home opener. And so, you know, we're getting, you know, bombarded with questions of, you know, are you, are you playing this weekend? What are you not doing? And, uh, you know, going, you know, hearing one direction from the league, another from the governor. And, you know, it was that, that same week where, you know, it seemed like everything got canceled within, you know, 24, 48 hours. Uh, you know, the Ivy League kicked it off uh, by canceling their tournament. Um, and, you know, then everything else kind of cascaded from there, starting at the, with the NBA at the, uh, at the professional level. And so, you know, honestly, we were trying to, you know, stay up to date with, you know, you know, minute by minute information um, and react to, you know, the guidance we were given from uh, at a state level and also from a league level. And, you know, you're, you're reacting to that and, uh, you know, then kind of executing your, your, your operators, you know, that's inherently what you are as a team is you're an operator. Uh, and so you know, that's, you know, that's kind of how we went through it, you know, and I think initially we thought, you know, maybe it's the first three games and then it quickly became apparent it was way more than the first three the first three home games which would, would have been uh taking us through like early or mid-april mm -hmm. and then you know we, we restarted you know everything we were looking at in terms of new stadium sales we were actually prepared to launch two weeks uh, uh at the end of march like two weeks after the pandemic hit we were supposed to be launching all of our premium sales for the new stadium so we obviously scrapped that um you know we got to a point where we're like all right you know we need to start selling but when's the right time and then so you start to get into this, you know, subjective, you know, feelers about, you know, when's the right time to have sales messaging and what is otherwise, you know, and, uh, you know, literally a hundred year event. Um, and so finding the right time there and, you know, selling into corporations, it's like, you know, we have this $190,000 suite for you. It's the best fan experience in Cincinnati, but, you know, you're on an expense freeze yourself. So uh, it's made uh, it's made quite the, quite the challenge, um, you know, but ultimately we found, we found that, and we, we started doing some data, uh, you know, surveying and, and, you know, tried to gather both empirical data points, but also, you know, through, through surveying and our email marketing uh, work, you know, kind of figuring out when people had, you know, crested the hill, if you will, and they were, they were kind of looking for something to, to look forward to and, you know, kind of looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. And so, uh, you know, I felt pretty good about the information we had gathered, timed up, uh, it was uh, mid-May that we kind of reset. And, you know, to be honest, um, you want to say it's a blessing in disguise. You also understand the financial uh, hit that we're taking at an ownership level, so you, you you don't want to be too proud of it. But it also helps us refocus and you know be exclusive on 2021. You know, and I, I think to a certain extent we've tried to uh, 
uh, you know, look at the bright side and, and see the benefit of that where we have, you know, the sa same sales team is not selling, you know, FC Cincinnati versus Houston this Saturday and premium seats for next year. They're all in on 2021. And that narrowed focus has certainly been a benefit for us. We've had a, we've had a great sales campaign. You know, we've already sold out our premium inventory. We're going through the seat selection process right now. We spent a million dollars on this fantastic experience center in downtown in our offices that is now not very usable because uh, of the new world we live in. But, you know, luckily everyone's gotten pretty, uh, pretty accustomed to Zoom. And so Zoom meetings and virtual, you know, screen shares don't cease, don't seem so foreign. And, you know, the tech difficulties may, uh, may be a little bit less than, you know, had if we tried that, you know, four or six months ago. So that's, you know, and that front works out and, you know, then we'll be launching uh, our, our full uh, full sales campaign uh, in a couple months, uh, which again will allow us to have a, you know a pretty deep focus. And you know we continue on the team side for 2020. We continue to you know react react to the league's guidance. You know provide input. Um, you know as it's committee led, like many of the uh, like many of the professional organizations. You know with you know, presidents and at an ownership level and you know above me. But we we try to give good information to our leadership to you know give guidance to the extent the league asks. Obviously, we are the first, uh, you know, our big five professional uh, league back starting actually last night with the tournament down in Orlando. And, uh, you know, we're maybe showing the NFL the way. Maybe we're telling them, showing them everything not to do. I, I think time will tell. Uh, but, look, I think we mentioned, you know, in eight weeks, we're going to have a lot more information than we have now. And we have certainly a lot more information now than we did eight weeks ago. And so also trying to not, uh, you know, rush to the microphone and, uh, you know, you know, spew different levels of speculation and try to be grounded in reality and, and take the long-term view because, you know, for what it is, pro sports teams are, you know, going to exist in a year. They're going to exist in two years. You know, we're all fortunate to have a reality that is not comparable to some other, you know, small mid-sized businesses, which is ultimately what a, a sports organization is um, and trying to, you know, leverage the strengths that we do have and continue to take the long-term view. Long-term view is good. Um, you know that, that we've been doing fan sentiment uh, work through the course of the, the last several months. And it was evident early on, there's always been that sense of optimism around sports. Uh, there was a bit of high anxiety to begin with just about what was unknown about life in general. But the, the need for, it's something we've known for a long time, the, the need for um, healthy competitive sports um, just from a psychological perspective will not leave our human experience. And so the, the ability to, to look beyond the present and stay focused on the future, uh, I believe will bode, bode well for, for all of you. Um, what the question that just came to mind, um, we've been talking about decision-making at, um, at the executive level, uh, down a level, and how have you kept your, uh, your staff engaged, uh, reduced any anxiety? How have you managed them in the process? Sure. So, I mean, speaking for myself, you know, it's to a certain extent, it's almost been, I don't want to say easy, but, you know, we're, we're leaning into, you know, the core kind of mission that we have and, you know, really reflecting around 2021 and everyone that we've hired over the last two years, we've talked about building towards 2021, you know, 2019 and 2020 are foundation phases for us. It's about building infrastructure on a personnel level, you know, but also in our systems and our leadership and our processes uh, within the front office and on the team side. And so for us, you know, the mission is still toward, you know, building towards 2021. And, you know, to use a data example, we're still, you know, building out our warehouses. We're still finding ways where, you know, we can do iterative pricing, you know, once we move into the new building. We're still looking at, 
you know, how do we do a better job of storytelling in our, our partnerships using using data and all those things while are perhaps not as real time, that infrastructure still needs to be built. So it's a little bit different than perhaps when you're operating year to year. And so again, we've, we're, we're grateful and fortunate to have that kind of, uh, you know, building towards that long term. And it's, you know, 2021, it's not 2020. It's also not 2022, you know, the immediacy um, and the fact, the fact we can kind of still stay on track has been to our benefit. And so, you know, in terms of keeping people engaged, you know, they're certainly not, well, first of all, we haven't let anyone go. So morale that has, you know, keeps morale decently high, um, you know, but, but also we still have that near-term goal that, you know, we've been building, you know, for some people that have just started, you know, they've only been building towards it for a few months, but there's some of us like myself that, you know, when we started in 2015, we talked about, we were going to be an MLS organization. We talked about, you know, building a new stadium and all these things. So for us, it's, you know, the kind of the end is in sight and the realization of, you know, multi-year work efforts uh, is really coming to fruition. So the engagement has been, you know, fortunately relatively easy because we've maintained that, that focus on what is a huge inflection year for us next year in 2021. JP, how about you? Yeah, I think, honestly, Chris, I think it's almost been a little bit of a, a wave or a cycle uh, for me personally. And uh, my staff, uh, you know, we've, I oversee our premium services staff, uh, as well as our guest relations staff. And then uh, obviously, like I said earlier, work with, with ASM Global on, uh, on managing and creating that philosophy for our game day staff, which can be over, you know, a thousand people related to security and, and guest experience. So, um, you know, right out of the gate when the pandemic hit, um, we were all adapting, right? We were all trying to figure out how, how do we have meetings? How do we, how do, we do uh, you know, webinars, Zoom calls, whatever it might be. Um, but also how were we, were we keeping each other motivated, right? Um, you know, there, was, there seemed to be a lot more energy. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I think we've all heard the term, you know, Zoom fatigue here over the course of the last few weeks or a month or so. Um, so I feel like we were, we were real high energy at first. We were real engaged. Um, I feel like we hit a little bit of a lull, maybe in that May, early June timeframe from our side of things, um, just because the the the, uh, the idea of ongoing ongoing uncertainty, right? Um, well, now in our situation, I feel like we're we're starting to to ramp up again toward the the, the point of the wave again as we prepare for the season. So, um, you know, from my side, my my staff and, and my peers. Um, We've been very, uh, very aggressive, though, in, in staying in touch with our staff, uh, keeping our staff motivated, making sure the managers that work for us are doing the same for the people that they oversee. Um, and we talked a little bit before we got on the uh, on today, Chris, about culture. Um, you know, we continue to to work as a leadership staff and talk through what are the cultural things we need to be doing to keep our staff engaged. Right. You know, we meet as a leadership team twice a week um, in the morning. And uh, we do talk through some of those things. Of, hey, what do we need to be doing to keep people motivated? What do we need to be doing to keep people engaged? Um, and certainly the upcoming season uh, that we're planning right now and the different scenarios that we're looking at have really got people kind of refired, I think, here as we've made it through the, the July 4th holiday. Interesting. Um, take me to um, one of the questions I had and I wanted to think about a bit was, Thinking from a historical perspective and a, and a learning perspective, are we ready to catalog any of our learning yet? That is something that we can put in the in the management books, or should we wait a while before we start doing this? Or 
or of course this been such a a dynamic process in that information is so fast and and ever changing in, in what we're learning. Should we wait or should we really try to catalog it as we go? JP? Yeah, I, I think both. I think there are some things we've learned that we can we can realize as leaders that uh, are uh, things that we can take forward and, and that we've gotten out of this. And I would I would certainly say uh, you know communication is one of those one of those areas um, in communicating with your your staff and your uh, your your constituents, um, but I think there still is a lot of uncertainty that uh, that we're looking at. I know just um, from a uh, from from an operational side of things, I, I I'm not going to know probably for months whether we made some of the right decisions, right, uh, on how we're going to do some things here over the course of the next few weeks to prepare for the season. Um, you know, hopefully the, the decisions that we make um, and talked about patience and flexibility earlier, but I hope the decisions that we make um, will in fact have a positive long-term effect on our staff and will have a positive long-term effect on our fan base. Um, but I, I, I think we're still a little, a little early, uh, Chris, to know uh, to where we're going to be a year from now and how this whole thing uh, shakes out and whether or not people are going to be beating us over the head for smart decisions, dumb decisions, whatever we did. So. Or both. <laughs> or both. Yeah. <laughs> Cody, how about you? Well, for, for to, to start, I think the only thing I definitely know is how much I don't know. And so I, I don't I definitely don't have the right answer on this. Um, but, you know, I think my thoughts are as we, you know, reflect on it, uh, I think, you know, we should all be mindful of the separation between the outcomes of decisions and the processes that led to decisions. Because, you know, do I think uh, the outcome of, you know, delaying the season was the, was the right decision? Yes. I think the process that led it there where, you know, there was, you was kind of, you know, you're you know, flip, flipping back and forth every 15 minutes. Yeah. That was probably not the right grounded process, uh, you know, for that decision. And, you know, there's many different examples across the board that, you know, we all probably have and at higher levels from a government agency down to you know how we manage our staff day to day. And so there, I think, especially in a quick decision-making uh, time, you know, it's kind of, I guess, separating out the outcomes and, and the process because there's you're going to get lucky. There's going to be good decisions that were not necessarily the result of a great process, um, but, you know, you were fortunate. And there's also maybe bad decisions that were, were the result of a good process. But, you know, thing, you know, information changed so quickly that it ended in a bad decision, but it doesn't mean it was a bad process. So I think, you know, it's going to be easy to play Monday morning quarterback uh, on this kind of stuff because everyone's working with asymmetric information. New information is being iterated so quickly. So I think, uh, you know, as we try to capture it in a moment in time, you know, to, to the question, I think trying to separate that out between, uh, you know, outcomes and processes uh, that led to decisions it may even be more important than necessarily noting, you know, what decisions were made uh, because it's, it, it, it is certainly a very unique time. And, you know, this, these are inherently the, the decisions that people struggle with, you know, they're low frequency and high impact. You know, that's kind of that's like the, the the top left of the of the matrix, which people are very bad at, but think they're good at. You know, just from <laughs> you know looking at psychology. So, um, you know, I, I think it's probably too early, just because we're not kind of over the hump. You know, there's flare-ups. You know, you hear about it every day, and you know, who knows when we're gonna have a vaccine or whatever. You know, the future looks like. Um, but I think my thought is largely around you know making sure there's a we're not using a small sample size of good outcomes. Um, and not looking at the process that led to them because ultimately if you're a leader, you're making many decisions and 
you know, improving your decision-making through processes, you know, just adds up over time. So you need even in trying times like these. Good insight. Good insight. Thanks. So either one of you have any uh, um, magic eight ball that you can tell us what the, the future of, of fandom looks like in, a, in the stands? Well, I, again, what I said, the only thing I know is how much I don't know. So, <laughs> no, I don't think I have a magic eight ball. I guess my, I think my opinion is, um, you know, I, I think this will probably uh, further some trends that were already happening. You know, it's a bit of an accelerator where I think everyone is already going cashless. This probably accelerates, you know, things like everyone going cashless, mobile ticketing, et cetera. Um, you know, it, it probably, you know, furthers, you know, even small businesses, maybe small businesses, you know, at a broader level, small businesses that were maybe struggling, you know, it's going to kind of take some people out, but it also, you know, starts people anew. Um, in terms of fans, I don't think there's my personal opinion is once there's a vaccine and assuming there is, I suppose uh, we can all hope for that. I don't think there's going to be this. No one's ever going to go to a mass gathering ever again. You know, I, I think there's a bit of this uh, dramatic kind of feel. Uh, and like the only thing that we've really compared you know, this situation to is 9-11 and the financial um, collapse in 2008, obviously for different reasons, but they both have uh, similar corollaries here. And both of them is, you know, the new reality was, it was different, but it was just, you know, a variation of what was previous. And I think that is likely, assuming we have a, a vaccine, um, likely to resemble here, where it's not like no one's ever going to go to the stadium again. You know, we've been asked, are you are you redesigning the stadium? Are you, you know, taking out 20,000 of your 26,000 seats? It's like, no. Uh, you know, every, you know, there's 120 buildings here that we can learn best practices from that are already built. There's three in the country that are under construction, like, We'll, we'll take our chances on the on the best practices side. Um, so I think if you know to the extent there is a vaccine, maybe there's some changes, but it's just a, a small you know deviation off what was the prior existing norm. You know, no different than than travel and you know financial security has you know changed some, but is somewhat you know the same kind of a variation of what it was before. But, yeah, we we've we've heard again in the in the work we've been doing that. Yeah, once there's a vaccine and people, they just need to have that that assurance uh, that, that it's okay to go again. They'll be in the stands because they they need to be in the stands. It's yeah. just a matter of timing. And and while while many of us look, I talk to some of my kids and talk about um, what seems like a long time, you know, six months. It's such a blip in time compared to to your life that that yeah, we're just in the moment and go. So yeah. Uh, interesting. JP, how about your thoughts? Yeah, I think Cody put it really well. I, I liked his, his comment on I think it's an accelerator. Um, I think the idea of, of, of cashless will obviously continue to, to go. Um, you know, I think it's also what this has done, not necessarily fan related in the stadium itself, but I think you've, you've forced your teams to uh, uncover more ways to digitally connect with their, with their, their constituents, right? Their fan base. Um, you know, a great example of, uh, uh, in our situation was, uh, we had about 30 days to, uh, to shift course on our draft party, which is one of the largest draft parties in the NFL. It's one of the, the largest events that we do outside of game day. And we all of a sudden had to go from having people in our building on draft day with probably one of the most exciting days of the year for our franchise to doing it digitally. And that was a, a, a great challenge for our our guys on the content side. Um, so I think the acceleration of creating 
content, creative, creative, creative content, creating, uh, you know, what we like to call behind the curtain stuff that our fans get a chance to see that maybe um, they, they wouldn't have gotten a chance to see in the past. So I think that's been, been one area, again, outside the stadium that has really forced teams to get creative uh, in connecting with their fans. But inside the stadium, um, you know, just me personally, one thing that I hope we can get back to a point, I, I, I think you're going to see a lot more energy in the buildings once people start getting back in. Um, the passion and the craving they have for, for being uh, in that venue, uh, participating in the traditions and the rituals that, that all the teams have. Um, one thing I've said about U.S. Bank Stadium uh, since, since we've moved in in 2016 is that we have create, created a tremendous sense of community in our building on game days. Uh, you feel like you're part of our family when you're in there on game days um, with our school chant and some of the other things that we've done. And uh, I think fans are just craving to, to get back in there and do that. But from a personal standpoint, I hope we can ultimately uh, get away from some of the visual reminders that I have a feeling are gonna continue to be out there for a few years to come. And what I mean by that are are the need for a face mask. Uh, maybe a year from now, we won't necessarily need to have a face mask. Like we said, hopefully we have a vaccine, but some folks might still choose to use it. Um, plexiglass, concession stands, um, and other areas in the facility. Um, those are things that I hope ultimately we can, we can, and I don't want to say get rid of, but, but take out of our, take out of our venues just because they're visual reminders of, uh, of what we're going through right now. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what see where we go. But and I, guys, I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. It's been it's been uh, enlightening. I do appreciate it. And to everyone who's been been watching and listening, thank you. If you do have any questions, contact us. We'll get we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Again, JP, Cody, thanks, and have a good rest of the day. Take care. Bye bye.